0: Hey everybody, it's Erin Carey, and welcome back to Sparking Wholeness. Today, I am sitting down with Dr. Syra Madad. She is an internationally recognized public health leader and epidemiologist in infectious disease and special pathogen preparedness and response. She is senior director, system wide special pathogens program at New York City Health and Hospitals, the nation's largest municipal healthcare delivery system, overseeing special pathogen preparedness and response efforts across eleven acute care hospitals, in addition to post acute long-term care facilities, and ambulatory care sites. Dr. Madad's work focuses on the preparedness for response to and recovery from infectious disease outbreaks with an emphasis on healthcare and public health biopreparedness. Dr. Madad has led multiple outbreak responses, including Ebola, Zika. Did I say that right? Zika. I don't even remember that one. <laughs> yeah, It's been a while, but yeah, you, you pronounced it correctly. Okay, I'm like, wait, that feels like a memory. I know for you, probably yeah. not as faint um, measles, candida aris, and recently COVID-19, where she has been very involved in that. And Dr. Madad has over 50 publications, has been a guest speaker at over 70 scientific and medical conferences around the world. And so I am just honored to have her on the show today. So welcome. Thank you so much. It's an honor to be here. Yeah, so we're going to take a kind of a different look at something else that is kind of a buzz term, buzz phrase right now in the world of health, and that is PFAS or what is commonly known as PFAS. I read a lot about it, but we've never talked about it. So, can you tell a little bit about what that even is?
1: Yeah, you know, and I think it speaks to the greater issue because you know, as you're saying, you're not familiar with it. Uh, you may have not heard it, but you know, recent data has shown that over 97 to 98% of Americans actually have PFAS um, detected in their blood. So it's, it's everywhere. And what PFAS stands for is um, PER and polyfluoroalkyl substances um, or PFAS. And these are chemicals and they're part of a family of Basically, over three thousand to four thousand chemicals that are known to be dangerous uh, to humans uh, and to our environment and to animals, our land and air, and they're found everywhere. It's ubiquitous. It's it's uh, it's in the products um, that we use every day. It's in the food that we often eat. It's in the air. It's on the land. You know, in the water. So this is a, a growing uh, issue, and I'm glad that you know it's getting the time of day that it absolutely needs because we need to do much more about it. We need to make sure people are aware that these are chemicals that are in our environment, in our blood, in the products that we use every day in our life um, and that we need to be a vocal of ensuring that companies and manufacturers do not use these types of products, and right now they are very widely used. Second is that we make sure that the federal government and the states uh, that we live in are doing something about uh, ensuring that there are regulations in place. And then third, that we ourselves as consumers, as individuals living in this world, are doing everything we can to try to limit our exposure to these PFAS chemicals, because we know that they have, uh, they're have they associated with many different um, health conditions that we'll, we'll get into.
0: Yeah. And and these are termed forever, forever chemicals. So they, they don't go away. Is that what you're saying? That's correct. So they are termed forever chemicals
1: because of the persistence in the environment, and they're basically uh, made up of these very strong carbon-fluorine bonds. And it makes because of that, it's making them very stable and resistant to uh, degradation in the environment. So they're basically persistent in the environment for a very, very long period of time. Very hard for them to break down naturally in the environment, and then they accumulate. They build up, you know, in their environment as well as you know, in, in our in our bodies, um, and that can certainly lead to different types of um, health conditions and, and issues. And so what we know just in terms of the health problems associated with exposure to PFAS is that it's wide ranging. It can cause everything from different types of cancers, decreased fertility and reproductive issues. Developmental abnormalities in infants and children, liver and kidney damage, increased risk of asthma, thyroid disease in humans. Kind of the list goes on. Wow. And what's unfortunate is that because I mentioned there's like over four thousand of these types of PFAS chemicals, we only know a very small amount of certain want of certain types of, of PFAS chemicals. Um, and so we still need to do a lot more research on the wide range of these chemicals that are used, you know, um, you know, in, in our day to day lives and the impact it's having on us.
0: Wow. Yeah. Okay. So, but they are getting more, they're becoming more widely studied. Is that correct? That's correct. So
1: now because there's, you know, much more exposure and there's, you know, more people now learning about it and understanding that this is a problem, there's much more research being done. In fact, if you um, get, you know, your subscription to the New York times, you see that just recently you have big companies that, you know, are known to manufacture, um, and actually use PFAS. getting sued so just mm. uh, this past month you know you're seeing that um there was a 1.9 billion agreement announced by um Chemours, dupont and cortiva uh Because they are, you know, companies, uh, major chemical companies that use these products and they're being sued, um, you know, you know, uh, because uh, of the uh, forever chemicals that they've been using and being linked to multiple different health issues. And then um, 3M is another recent one uh, that, uh, you know, has uh, basically, you know, settled uh, on something like $10 billion uh, for, you know, remediation and the like. So this is a big problem, Um, but we know it's a problem. At the same time, we know that um, the federal government is starting to do something about it, which is great. Um, you know, couldn't happen, uh, you know, soon enough, but there is right. something that, that is happening at the federal level. Um, and this includes, you know, the EPA you know, uh, sharing a, a lifetime advisory uh, that talks about the amount um, of, of PFAS that uh, is quote unquote acceptable, uh, in you know, and this includes 70 parts per, per trillion of PFAS and PFOA, which is, you uh, know, these are all different PFAS chemicals um, in drinking water. And we know that there is no level that's technically safe for consumption mm-hmm. or exposure. And so different states are applying different uh, approaches, um, regulations and the like. Uh, But we need a more systematic uh, approach here and we need to make sure that we're doing this fast.
0: Yeah, that's what I was about to ask you. So you're saying that no level has been tested as safe.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, this is an ongoing field that requires much more research and study, right. but there is no, you know, acceptable level, you know, in that sense, because what happens is that we know that these are a forever chemicals. And what this means mm-hmm. is that they accumulate in the body. So the more exposure you have mm-hmm. over a longer period of time, this is going to continue to build up in your body and then can cause health conditions. So you may be getting, you know, a certain amount every single day, but then over an extended period of time, it's going to accumulate in your blood. And that can cause, as I mentioned, you potentially cancer and other hormonal imbalances and the like.
0: Yeah, wow, this is so important to talk about, but I want to pause you there for a quick second and thank our sponsor for today's episode. Today's episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. If you are like me, you have been through seasons of your life, times of transition, where you really just needed to talk to someone. You needed an outside source who you could trust to filter through everything that you were going through so that you can be better able to take steps forward. Sometimes in life, we are faced with tough choices and the path forward isn't always clear. I have been there myself. My husband and I were there two years ago when we were deciding where we were going to move and if we were going to leave the place that we had lived for over a decade. Whether you're dealing with decisions around career relationships or anything else, therapy helps you stay connected to what you really want while you navigate life. So you can move forward with confidence and excitement. That is so important. And then trusting yourself to make decisions that align with your values is like anything. The more you practice it, the easier it gets. I personally have benefited from therapy for many, many years for many different seasons of my life. Some seasons are better. Some seasons are more difficult. And so it is so important to be able to learn positive coping skills to have somebody that I can talk to to walk through any life event, any past life event. You know, I've talked about this so many times on the show, so I don't have to break it down for you anymore. Therapy is important and it is so helpful to find someone that you can trust To be able to navigate all of these transitions. If you are thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. This is important because you need to be matched with a therapist that best suits your needs and what you are looking for. Let therapy be your map with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash sparking today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelphelpcom sparking. Now, Dr. Madad, getting back to this conversation about PFAS, if this is something that's accumulating, does that mean this is something that we are passing down to our children in utero?
1: That's right. So you know, you've uh, you know, there's PFAS has been detected in breast milk. It's also wow. been de- detected in uh, cord blood. Uh, you know, during uh, you know a mother uh, delivering and the like. So uh, this is you know something that we are living with uh, on a on a day to day basis.
0: And when did this start? When did all of this awareness begin? Because clearly this has been accumulating for a while. But what do you think precipitated this?
1: Yeah, so they started to to manufacture you know the PFAS chemicals in the 1930s, 1940s, and then it wasn't until the 2000s where people realized you know this this is this is something that's actually causing harm to not only humans but to our environment, um, and so it's been starting to get more and more attention lately. Um, you know, because of individuals like you and I and many others that are affected by this every day um, that are saying, hey, this is this is a big issue. And on top of that, you know, we've known, for example, in many of these, um, you know, military bases, uh, they they've been, you know, using or foam to use in training purposes to to put out fire. And that's that's been implicated um, you know, in contaminating local community water sources, um, and the like. And and that really is what a, what's one of the earlier events that triggered more attention to PFAS chemicals.
0: Wow. So where are most of these PFAS chemicals found?
1: Yeah, so they're, like I said, almost absolutely everywhere in fast mm. food wrappers, water, even in the air, cosmetics, you know, as someone that uses a lot of makeup, yeah. um, you can also find PFAS chemicals in various cosmetics like waterproof mascara and the like Mm -hmm. Um, also if you enjoy a burger going to burger king or many of these um, you know fast food restaurants um, and other restaurants that just package um, food uh, it's in the packaging because what it does is that it helps repel grease and oil Um, and obviously you don't want to get a pizza in a pizza box where it's like all soggy because of the oil that it's giving off so it's even Mm -hmm. in pizza boxes um and so it's basically you know everywhere uh it's also in furniture it's it's in furniture that makes um you know fabric you know resistant to stains um, waterproof clothing things like that so really uh in uh, many different products that we use every single day um even in cookware right so if you enjoy cooking and you enjoy you know you know um uh you know surfaces that you know don't stick uh food products mm-hmm. to it that you know it's also associated with that, so it's it's as I mentioned you know in many different products, but you know I think there's a couple of things um uh an individual can do to reduce their risk of exposure to PFAS. Uh, And I'm going to list out a few different things, right? And it's not not in any specific order, but it's it's really, A, it's hard to eliminate exposure to PFAS because we know it's everywhere. Um, But there's things that you can do to minimize your risk, right? And the one thing that I'll mention is, you know, because it's around us, it's like air pollution, right? We can't get away from air pollution. But there's things we can do to reduce our risk of being exposed to air pollution. So very similar to that. Um, The first is, you know, being mindful of your cookware. So, you know, making sure that you're going for stainless steel, cast iron, ceramic cookware as alternatives to nonstick pans. So, uh, you know, that's one thing is just making sure that you're being mindful of the cookware. The second is reading your product labels. And I know that could be difficult, especially... Uh, as a mom of three, when I'm in the grocery store, I need to get in and out. I don't have time mm-hmm. to like linger around and, and read every ingredient in the products. But it's important that we do read product labels um, and look for products that are PFAS-free or have undergone third-party testing for the absence of these types of chemicals. Um, so just reading product, product labels can also go a long way. Um, filter your drinking water, right? So consider installing water filtration systems certified to remove PFAS, such as reverse osmosis or um, activated carbon filters. Um, this basically reduces the concentration of PFAS in your tap water. Um, there's also been studies where bottled water has very high concentration of PFAS. Um, and so you want to go towards a water source that you know is a being regulated or that you have control over in that sense. Um, another way is choosing safer personal care products. So as I mentioned, I wear a lot of makeup, so I want to make sure that, um, you know, I'm I'm choosing products that, uh, you know, uh, that don't have PFAS in it. So if you see a label with floral, floral or per as a prefix, you want to avoid those specific types of personal care products. Um, you know, and opt for um, alternatives. Um, another way is um, avoid stain resistant treatments. Uh, another personal anecdote: I am still furniture shopping, so I'm definitely making <laughs> sure that I'm I'm going for furniture that is not necessarily, um, you know, uh, stain resistant uh, and and the like. Even though I do have kids and that would be really great to have, but uh, you know, I'd rather go for something healthier and safer uh, in my home and then um, avoiding packaging uh, of foods that contain grease repellent coatings, right? So microwavable popcorn, we are very big on popcorn in our house. We do movie nights (laughs) on Fridays. And so, you know, um, we actually used to do microwavable popcorn or my husband used to because it was the easier uh, choice. But, you know, I said, you know, let's, we need to do it on the stovetop. Let's not (laughs) use those microwavable bags um, because they contain PFAS chemicals goals. Um, And, and, you know, avoiding food boxes and the like, and I know how hard that is, right? As someone that loves their morning cup of coffee, um, going through a drive through, they give us give coffee and obviously uh, in these containers that, you know, that potentially may have PFAS in their lining. So opt for bringing your own, uh, you know, cup that's, you know, uh, you know, has a a better, um, you know, uh, material uh, associated with it uh, and and the like. So these are just, you know, some things that you can do to help limit your exposure to PFAS in your day-to-day life.
0: Yeah, that's super helpful, super practical. And I think, you know, just for listeners to know that it, it can be baby steps, you know, just to, like you said, to limit or reduce, Mm -hmm. it doesn't have to be like everything at once, because I think sometimes we hear this and we're like, oh my gosh, I need to change everything. It really can... can be overwhelming. Yes, absolutely. And so you're saying just reduce little by little and going back to the personal care products, because I too wear makeup (laughs) and I know many, (laughs) we have many female listeners that probably do as well. Is there a way to, is there a list anywhere of, of makeup that is safer and not containing these chemicals? You know, is there a way to look that up anywhere?
1: So I haven't come across any specific list, but I know that there is a um, a list. And let me see. I think it's it's on the website for Environmental Working Group, um, and it gives you um, it gives you a list of actually uh, different personal care products that may have that as an active ingredient. I don't know how up to date that list is being kept, but a there is a working list. I think that that you know can have this information, um, and and so it's on the Environmental Working Group um, website. And then I think in that same website it can also show you um, a map um, that has PFAS, contaminated water sources across the U.S. So if you want to see, yeah. do I live near, uh, you know, a water source that's contaminated with high levels of PFAS, um, it actually has a map that kind of shows you. So luckily, there are some resources out there uh, that can that you can navigate to to kind of figure out, you know, at my local level, what does this look like? Um, but there needs to just be much, much more information um, on this that's much more accessible to all Americans. Because as I mentioned, you know, like, uh, you know, we have uh over 98% of Americans have PFAS in their blood. In fact, a 2020 study has shown that over 200 million Americans live uh, near a water source that's potentially contaminated with PFAS.
0: Oh, my goodness. Yeah, yeah. that is, I mean, As a health coach, I tell people to drink lots and lots of water, right? Like that's what we tell people. Which is good, yeah. Because it's good. But (laughs) I mean, (laughs) if your water that you're drinking is from tap that has been contaminated with this, then are we doing, I mean, are we canceling out the benefits?
1: No, and that's where I think it's really important to put things into perspective, right? Mm -hmm. So as I mentioned, like, you know, this is all around us on an ongoing basis. And so we know certain things are good. For us, and even though it may be contaminated, it's all about limit, right? And so, while research has shown the uh, you know health effects of PFAS, uh, which is pretty dangerous, and that these this research is ongoing, it's really important to remember that individual exposure uh, levels and duration, as well as other factors, contribute to the overall risk, right? So, taking these proactive approaches that I mentioned help minimize. Uh, your your uh you know your your exposure and your ongoing risk to to PFAS. So, you know we wanna we wanna make sure we're putting things into perspective and, and folks to say you know what I'm just not gonna drink water or I'm not gonna eat anything because you know it may be contaminated with PFAS. But that's not the case. It's mm-hmm. it's limiting things in duration and avoiding products we know that may have PFAS. So just making sure you know that uh, whatever water source you're drinking from um, doesn't isn't contaminated with PFAS.
0: Yeah. I mean, how worried should we be about the long-term effects of this? Like I'm thinking I'm a mom of three as well. And yeah. I'm like, okay, what about my kids? What are my grandkids? Like where should we, yeah. How worried should we be?
1: <laughs> well, I think it's definitely a concern, right? You know, similarly, you know, I'm I'm in the same boat where I do worry about my children's health and, and you know, my grandchildren's health. Hopefully i I you know, I live long enough to, to see that. Uh, but this is where I think us uh, as adults can make a stand to make sure that, A, our elected officials know we are concerned about this, not just for ourselves, but for our children, for our future generations. And because these are forever chemicals, always in the environment, what are we are doing to stop them right now for, from accumulating even more in the environment? And then what are we doing for remediation, to remove these chemicals in our current environment, in our food products, you know, in uh, in in our day-to-day uh, products that we do use as as consumers. And so it's, it's a, it's a two prong approach, but there's things we can do now. Um, there's things that we can also do in the future to make sure that our generations um, ahead of us live a healthier life.
0: Yeah, are there government institutions? Are there any states that are taking a closer look at this?
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So first, the EPA certainly obviously is doing something about it. And the Biden administration has made an announcement that they are really cracking down on this. And then states have opted to um, regulate, uh, you know, um, themselves. And so like New Jersey, for example, uh, I think Minnesota, Michigan, many of these uh, states have opted to, you know, either meet the EPA uh, health advisory or even go um, above it to be even more stringent. So Michigan, Vermont, Jersey, Minnesota, they all have Um, lower requirements than the EPA um, health advisory, which is great. Um, And this is where, again, you know, you know, contacting your elected official to say, Hey, what are we doing about this? Um, What is, what is our state doing about this? What is my local community doing about this?
0: Yeah. Yeah. I know. I, I saw something about, and I don't know if it was the PFAS, but it was something that California was starting to crack down on. It might've been food related. I can't remember, but I do know that different States are starting to pay more attention to different things that could be possibly harming people in our commonly consumed products yeah yeah so i think i haven't
1: i I that is definitely important and and the epa actually did propose uh, a national standard to limit some of these compounds in in drinking water uh, recently so we know that you know something is being done about it but you know we we, it needs to happen now and it's not fast enough and 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 some companies have also said uh they're going to stop producing
0: pfas by 2025 which is Mm. which is great that is great. Yeah. Because I mean, if we think about like you said, if it started close to 100 years ago, well, we've seen an increase in a whole lot of issues in the last 100 years. Um, yeah. Is that too much of a jump <laughs> to, to assume that that we could have maybe had we not used these things, maybe we would not have seen some of those health issues that we're dealing with today? Oh,
1: absolutely. Right. In the absence of these chemicals, we certainly, you know, uh, would have had a healthier uh, lifestyle. But that's not to say that all the, our health conditions are associated mm. with these specific type of chemicals, because as you read in my bio, I also deal with biological agents. So if it's mm-hmm. not the biological agents, that are, they're going to kill us. It's these chemical right. agents. So it's, <laughs> yeah. it's one thing or it's a it's lesser of two evils. They're both very evil. So we need to make sure we're doing everything we can to prevent outbreaks and pandemics and as well as limiting yeah. our exposure to these harmful chemicals.
0: Right. Yeah, no. And I think that's why I was so excited to have you on the show because I thought, well, goodness, she has such a wide range <laughs> of dealing with these immediate, like you said, the outbreaks like Zika that I could not even remember, although I think <sighs> it was around when I was pregnant with one of my kids. And so it was enough to be a concern, you know, um, yeah. but th- this is something you are very well versed in as far as outbreaks and And health in general. And so if you're concerned about the PFAS, I think it's something we should all be concerned about.
1: Yeah no oh absolutely absolutely you know just and, and just on the on the Zika one interesting you know note there was a recent article uh, that basically talked about Zika as a forgotten virus because it was mm-hmm. so much in the news about seven years ago um, but now obviously it's no longer in the news even though many families continue to suffer uh, from mm-hmm. it. it's actually uh, you know the babies that were born with many of these really devastating birth defects like microcephaly uh, caused by this mos- mosquito born um, illness are now seven and they still require a lot of support and assistance and and this just goes to show you that a we know we live in a world where there's all these different hazards threatening um you know our, our health on an ongoing basis but it's important that we do put things into perspective and we are vocal about the concerns that affect us and our future generations we're doing and we should be doing something about it um but also you know just putting things into perspective
0: Yeah. And so for my listeners who are listening to this and, you know, they are maybe feeling overwhelmed and anxious and, Oh no, like, what can I do? What are some practical things that we could be doing to support our health every day?
1: Yeah. So I think in addition to, you know, the the list of different um, approaches that I mentioned in reducing your exposure to PFAS, like being mindful of cookware, reading product labels, filtering your drinking water, choosing safer personal products and the like, um, other things that you can do is being an advocate, right? Is advocating for ensuring that, you know, um, PFAS is not contaminating your water sources. And if it is, um, then you're making sure that you are advocating for remediation. Uh, because this is your water source um, and and being vocal about it so we are our own champions of our health for the health of our children for the health of our future generations and if we're not going to speak up then who is right yeah. um, and so these are companies that are multi-billion trillion dollar companies that obviously are used are developing these these consumer products for us but if it's also solely killing us in the process we need to make sure we're using um, alternative methods and and that actually and one point to to, to also uh, i think bring up is that when companies do realize that this particular chemical um, within this family of, of you know thousands of, of PFAS chemicals is causing harm, they just go on to another chemical. And down the line, we may find out that these chemicals that they're now choosing to move forward with are also harmful. So it's like this whack-a-mole approach that's constant. Yeah. And so we really need to make sure we are investing in better research. Um, so not just advocating uh, for, you know, for a healthier community and removing PFAS and remediation, but also advocating for more research being done on these chemicals and finding safer alternatives because we need these, right, in our products. Like we 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 need these in our day-to-day lives. It's not as if we're saying we need to, you know, stop going to, to fast food and and, and taking and, and getting takeout food or or using makeup up and things like that that maybe uh, right. contaminate with PFAS, but we are using healthier alternatives, and that requires better research. So we need to fund this research to find these um, safer alternatives. So it's really being an advocate for all of those.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think that that's really, I I think that's a realistic approach, and I think it's a, just the awareness in itself is there might be somebody listening going, I've never even thought to think about the wrapper, you know, in my, yeah. in my burger or the the household items. Like I know, um, Teflon is a really good example of, yeah. uh, of the dangers of the cookware. And so just changing up cookware, there are a lot of great options that are not that expensive. You know, it doesn't require, I think furniture, that one is a little bit trickier because that is more expensive, right? But yeah. cookware is practical and and we can yeah. all find cookware that's safer.
1: That's right. That's right. And looking at your water source, right? Because that's yes. an, um, that's one of the biggest forms of exposure is contaminated water sources with PFAS. So look at that map that I mentioned, um, and, and, and see if you live near a water source that is contaminated or has high levels of PFAS, uh, making sure that you in your own home, you know, are, are putting methods and like filtration that can help remove some of the PFAS from your drinking water source. Um, and then, you know, being fi- mindful of the food that you eat. So for example, fish is another Um, you know, big product that contained a lot of PFAS in it. So just seeing where that fish is coming from uh, and the like.
0: So So sustainably sourced fish, right? Is that what you're talking about? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's, that's a big deal. And yeah, these are things that are, are healthy things. Fishes, you know, usually considered a health food for the omega-3 content, right. And water it's healthy, but, um, we want to make sure that our bodies are able to tolerate those other things that might be, (laughs) you know, there. Um, and so for many of us you are saying there is an overload of, of these chemicals and it is being passed down through generations. So it's so important to be aware of that now. Tell me, I mean, what what are you aside from raising awareness for the PFAS? What what else are you working on right now?
1: Yeah, so you know, being in the field of um, you know bio preparedness and, yeah. and and responding to biological threats, there's always something happening in our world of infectious diseases, and so you know some of the the work that uh, I'm involved in is not only, you know, preventing and preparing for biological threats that are constantly happening around us, but it's also responding to these outbreaks. So obviously people uh, have heard of and know of COVID because it's impacted every single one of us, but there's so many other different outbreaks that we're contending to and also trying to prevent. So we want to make sure that uh, we're looking at um, different outbreaks not only happening overseas, but also in our own backyard, like bird flu, right? You may have heard Mm -hmm. of bird flu because there's a huge outbreak of a, be an influenza um, that's uh, that's affecting our, our poultry and other mammals. So we're keeping a very close eye um, on that. Uh, we know in many parts of the world. So for example, in Africa, there were multiple different outbreaks of viral hemorrhagic fever. That we're keeping a very close eye on, preparing for. Currently, you know, we're planning for flu season to ramp up again, even That's though right. it's summer. Yeah. But we know that you know flu season tends to hit us in the fall, and it does take some time to to make sure that we have good messaging um out. So a lot of these things are are, are kind of happening uh, in in uh you know in, in parallel. Um, and the other work that I also do is on biosecurity and biodefense and so how to make sure that bad faith actors don't have access to biological agents that can be used in various purposes. And so I do a lot of work um in that space as well. Which is really, uh, really interesting. So uh, I keep myself busy between working and, and teaching, and, and you know, doing uh, you know podcasts like like yours and, and yeah. raising awareness on important topics. Um, but it's all in the good days of work.
0: Yeah, no, I, I love it. And, you know, and it's one of those things, like you mentioned, flu season, there's also RSV season. I had an RSV yeah. baby hospitalized as a newborn. Oh. And so, you know, this was, it'll be seven years ago in December, but I think about, I was not ready for that. You know, nobody really, or I minimized, you know, like, oh, you know, whatever, it's fine. Um, but it wasn't fine for him. He was hospitalized and put on oxygen. And so I think it is so important to be aware of things and, and to be able to protect ourselves when we can.
1: Oh, absolutely. Absolutely absolutely. Well, hope your baby is well. My my 3-year-old actually also got RSV this past uh season and it was it was pretty bad. We know this this past uh, yeah. season of RSV uh, the media called it the triple demic because there was yeah. RSV circulating mm-hmm. and flu circulating and COVID-19 circulating, you know, around the same time. So it was causing a significant strain on healthcare systems and mm-hmm. you know, we may see that again this upcoming uh this up- upcoming uh season. So just re- really important that a lot of it goes back to basics and while our conversation is on pfas and how to raise awareness and how to mm-hmm. you know reduce your exposure there are things that we can do every single day to live a healthier life and this a includes staying up with your vaccinations you know that's really important to stay healthy um, making sure that you know you do live a healthy lifestyle so getting good sleep eating well nutritious food making sure you're, you know drinking enough water that's not contaminated obviously <laughs> with, with pfas um and uh, you know that you're all that you also looking at your mental and, and physical um, health um, as, as well. So these are all things that are important for us to you know, live a healthy lifestyle.
0: Absolutely. Thank you so much for offering your time. I know you've got a lot going on. <laughs> so just the <laughs> fact that we got to have this conversation, um, I know we have all learned so much from you. And so where can people find out more about you and maybe follow you on social media, that kind of thing?
1: Yeah. So I'm both active on Twitter and Instagram where I post different articles that I'm reading or advice, for example, on, on PFAS and the like, um, which uh, so my social media handle is just my first and last name, S-Y-R-A-M-A-D-A-D for both.
0: Awesome. Okay. Well, thank you so much for taking this time. And I know for me, I'm going to be looking around my house and see where I could maybe limit the load and do a little bit better. And I hope listeners will as well. So thank you again for being on the show. Thank you. All right, now, if you are sitting here wondering how in the world can I control all the toxins in the world and I'm gonna get sick and what can I do? Well, I am going to spend a few minutes reading through an article that I wrote years and years ago. It is on my blog, but I want to share some of my top tips for immune resilience. Fall is coming. It is upon us. I know it feels like school is barely starting, but I think it's important to take control and be your own health advocate. And so here are just some quick tips that are going to help you to do that and to do that for your family managing cold and flu season for my family requires the same four steps as managing my mental health and that includes nutrition supplementation movement and relaxation so let's start with nutrition sugar sugar is really the area that I think is important to emphasize when it comes to illness because it can wreck the immune system. Consuming excess sugar by drinking a soda or juice or a latte or eating candy or a cookie, the white blood cells' ability to absorb and destroy viruses and bacteria reduce. So don't forget that refined carbs like processed white flour spikes blood sugar, maybe even more than sugar itself. So, you know, think about that burger or sandwich that you had for lunch after you already had a muffin or toast for breakfast, or think about kids' food right like our kids are constantly eating things that while they are more resilient because they're younger but it does make an impact on their blood sugar which impacts their immune system The other thing that can be problematic for some people, especially as we're dealing with sinus issues and colds and stuffy noses, all of that, is dairy. That might be something you wanna reduce or eliminate, especially if you're fighting something. It can be inflammatory for some people and that lactose can spike the blood sugar. We lose the ability to digest it properly as we age it can be mucus promoting and so for anyone like i said with chronic sinus allergy issues it might be beneficial to quit it and see what happens for my youngest when he was going through his horrible season of poor immune system tolerance and rsv and breathing issues and all of that we had to give up dairy for a good year and a half to 2 years and it really helped him a lot and now we can have dairy here and there it doesn't seem to be as problematic but we are talking about toxins so my rule of thumb is to look at eliminating anything that is not organic, anything that, you know, is going to contain antibiotics, hormones, all of that it might be better tolerated by the body. The other thing that you want to go easy on for your gut and immune health is alcohol. Now I'm talking to the parents here, (laughs) not for your kids. Hopefully your kids are not using that anyway. But I know that, you know, we're going to start entering the season of holiday parties and it's going to get cold outside. So it'll feel nice and warm and cozy to have a drink. I know a lot of us tend to drink more than usual when it is party season, but be mindful of sugary cocktails and give your gut a chance. Alcohol does enhance intestinal permeability. And So you want to pick your battles. You get to choose what's best for you and and what you want to limit in your life. What fights sickness and helps support your immune system is filling up on plant foods. The more colorful your diet is from the beautiful bounty that our creator provided for us, the more phytonutrients you receive. Fermented foods are a great way to get beneficial bacteria into your gut. So, you know, think about things like sauerkraut, kimchi, fermented pickles and kombucha. If you like that sort of thing, go all out on it. Because the days are going to be getting shorter and we're not going to be outside as much, the chances of receiving vitamin D naturally from the sun starts to decrease. That is also a time where you're going to have more of an urge to eat more comfort foods. So, Think about supplementing with vitamin D during this time. And that is what leads me to my point number two, which is supplementation. At my house, we do load up on a lot of supplements. And the key to prevention is getting into a routine before everything starts spreading around like crazy. So some things I take year round for myself, but other things we will start taking as soon as flu, cold season, all of that kicks off and as soon as the days get shorter and the sun is not as prevalent in in our lives, right? So my kids like to take the Sniflex Chewables for allergies and sinus drainage. That is similar to Dehist Junior, if you're familiar with that one. I used to make elderberry syrup because that has been shown to be super effective, and I know that was really helpful for my youngest. I don't make that as much anymore, but that is something that you could look into trying. I really love saline spray or X-Clear nasal spray. That can be really come in handy this time of year, especially as kids are getting back to school. I am really big on giving my kids magnesium. We like the calm gummies for Brad, We started doing that for him because it's a natural muscle relaxer for the bronchial tubes. And of course that helped with his breathing issues. Magnesium is also really supportive for healthy bowel movements, for sleep, for anxiety, and magnesium can help vitamin D convert to its final form. I already mentioned, but vitamin D drops might be helpful for some people, you know, depending on if you're not gonna get a lot of time outside. My favorite way to get vitamin D actually is through cod liver oil, because with cod liver oil, you will get vitamin A, vitamin D, and vitamin K, plus omega-3 fish oil, which is super anti-inflammatory and can really help with focus and concentration for kids that have those issues as well. For me personally, my very favorite thing that I take during this time of year is quercetin. I take a combination of quercetin with bromelain, which can really help me with my seasonal allergies that tend to hit harder in the fall. And I also take magnesium probiotics, B vitamins, and cod liver oil. The third thing that is really, really crucial at all times of year, but definitely as the weather gets cold outside, and I know it's weird to think about the weather getting cold outside, but it will. Movement, movement is so important. It can really help to get your body moving to help improve mood and fight against seasonal mood issues. Now is the time of year to get started on that. It can help improve dopamine levels, which is a big reason that many people turn to emotional eating and comfort foods to begin with. Movement improves insulin resistance and again it's so necessary to have that happening all the time because of that blood sugar immune system connection we want our bodies to be better able to be sensitive to the signals of insulin that it receives The key to movement is finding something that works for you that you enjoy that you will do consistently same for your kids throw a dance party get them outside get them swimming while it's still hot enough to do that but get your bodies moving that is so so helpful for immune health the last thing is relaxation. <sighs> Big sigh on that one, right? It, this is go- We're about to be entering the hardest time of the year to have intentional relaxation. I know for a lot of people, their kids' sports schedules ramp up. We have all sorts of school activities, and then we have the holidays. It can get really crazy, and it is really hard to relax intentionally when your schedule is packed. But It is so important to understand that stress, whether you are aware of it or not, will weaken your immune system as well. There's a pretty direct connection there. I have a free guide on stress boosting stress excuse me stress busting (laughs) nutrition that's available on my website and I will link into the show notes and that will give you a lot of tips for how to improve your nutrition in order to deal with your stress and that will also help with your immune system. There are so many reasons that we want to be mindful of our stress. Ongoing stress leads to ongoing cortisol production, ongoing inflammation which leads to a weakened immune system and sometimes our stress load is just out of our control but here are some things for sure that can decrease the stress load that can help strengthen the immune system. So I've already talked about diet, get my free stress busting guide to nutrition. That is going to be my number one, limiting sugar, limiting alcohol, limiting the things that are inflammatory for you. And that's gonna be different for everybody depending on your whatever you have going on with you. Learning breathing te- techniques, as crazy as it sounds, can really help decrease stress and repair your body. So the 478 breathing, where you inhale through your nose for four seconds, exhale sorry you inhale for your nose for four seconds hold it for seven seconds and then exhale for eight seconds that practicing that multiple times throughout the day can really help with your stress resilience and stress management there are all sorts of different breathing techniques out there but practice deep nasal breathing it can really help your body's response to stress the other thing that a lot of people don't think of is going to bed at the same time every night and waking up at the same time in the morning can impact your day-to-day stress load if your sleep is out of whack everything is out of whack the other thing that I really like, and I'm working on a nourishment journal just for this, so stay tuned for that, is to keep a gratitude journal. At the end of the day, do a brain dump. List out the things that you that went well for you, the things that you're grateful for, reading truth. And for me, that's the Bible. I, I'm a Bible reader. It helps me to stay in a positive mindset even when there is chaos all around me. So that is also soothing for my stress levels. Now, last thing I'm gonna say is that nobody is perfect. You can do the best you can and you can still get sick. You can do all the preventative tools and you can still get sick. Nothing is 100%. Your immune system really can thrive when it is being challenged. Of course, as we've learned, there are challenges hitting us at every level, like from these PFAS to other toxins, to other things that the level, the load just keeps mounting up in the body and pretty soon we're at capacity. It's it's impossible to be 100%. So do the best you can. Really work on those stress levels and just focus on one area. You know, maybe you do want to look at the PFAS. You can limit those toxins that are going on in your household. That could be a great start for you. Or maybe you want to start with food. Maybe you're like, ah, my sugar has gotten out of control. I'm just going to limit my sugar. Okay, awesome. Maybe it's something like alcohol. You know, maybe you're like, gosh, it's been summer. I've been drinking a little bit more than I want to. It's not helping my sleep very much because it doesn't. Just so you know, Um, maybe you want to limit that. Great idea. Maybe you want to add in things. Now that's my favorite, the concept of addition over restriction. What can you add to your life that's going to be nourishing for you? It's very individualized. So I will leave you with those ideas and those tips. Feel free to reach out to me. I am an open book. You can ask me what I'm doing for my immune health this season. You can ask me how I'm supporting my family's health. Feel free to ask or schedule a one-on-one session with me where you will get even more of the good information and you will get something tailored specifically for you and your unique body. Have a great week. The tiniest spark leads to the biggest blaze. And I hope that today's episode sparks you on a journey to healing and wholeness. Thanks for listening to Sparking Wholeness. For more information on what I do and my coaching programs, or maybe just to reach out and say hey, find me at sparkingwholeness.com or on Instagram at Sparking Wholeness. Have a fabulous week.